All right, come on. Good morning, Go Church family. I hope you're doing well today. Uh, you look good. While that video was playing, I was just kind of scanning this whole room. And I just want to tell you genuinely, it's just an honor to have you a part of our life and a part of this church family. A lot of places you could be today, but you're here. And we never take that responsibility lightly. And so just it's a joy to see you. I'm confident because I know the culture of Go Church that someone has already smiled at you, waved at you, hopefully you've been spoken to. I don't want to miss that opportunity here. So before we get into the word together, before we even pray, I just want to tell you that we're glad you're part of Go Church from the street to the seat. I hope that you know that it's our heart to love anyone from anywhere into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So God bless all of you for being in this room. And then as I look at the cameras in the back of the room, it's an overwhelming honor that we get to live stream our gatherings to our Germantown, Maryland campus. 702 miles from here in the greater Washington, D.C. area. And so we greet everybody in Germantown. And then, of course, our online campus family, people who are literally watching all over the globe. So whoever you are and wherever you're watching from, we greet all of you. And then in one month from today, how about we launch a campus on the west side of Atlanta? Come on. So, all right, put your hands together. Welcome everybody online. Come on, keep clapping. Welcome Germantown. Let's get in the habit of welcoming the west side. Come on, church. Good. And then, of course, we always pause to give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military, those who have served, those who are serving, and then all of the courageous first responders. Thank you for putting your life on the line to serve and protect ours. So of all of the applause of appreciation for a group of people, this group, the brave men and women, they deserve the highest applause of appreciation. So can we do that wholeheartedly right here? Let's show some love. Come on, church. There we go. It's really good. If you give me three minutes here, I'll give you two quick announcements, some which you already heard in the video announcement, but these are close to my heart, and I want to make sure that you understand all of the great things that are happening here at Go Church. As you know, in the month of March, we have revamped Move Track, and we've turned it into a four-part discipleship pathway. And so the four steps happen on the first four Sundays of the month. So step one is week one of the month. Step two is week two of the month. I'm not trying to challenge your intellect, just make sure you know how this works. And so today was step number three of the move track. Next Sunday will be step number four. And that particular step is becoming a member here. And so if you're interested in membership at Go Church, you want to know a little bit more about the story of Go Church, then next Sunday is the step for you to get involved in. Again, you can jump in at any step, at any time. You just have to, if you don't mind doing this, pre-register to let us know you're coming. You can do that online. You can do that through the app. If you have more questions, see one of our hosts at Next Steps. They'll give you uh, all of the information that you need. And have you ever heard the saying, like, everybody's doing it? Come on, you ever heard that before? Okay, well, everybody's doing Move Track. How about this? We had 111 people register for Move Track. That was happening today. So everybody's doing Move Track. Get in the game, get a Move Track. Next Sunday will be about membership. So I hope you pre register to be a part of that. And then we are one month from Easter here at Go Church. So I want to give you our Easter at Go Church schedule, all right? So for those of you that are part of this campus, this location, You've got three gatherings on Easter Sunday. You've got uh, 7.15 a.m., that's our sunrise gathering, and then 9 and 11. If you want to be a part of the 9 and 11 o'clock gathering, you don't, do any, you don't have to do anything different. Just show up at the appropriate time. Maybe get here a few minutes early to get you a good seat. If you'd like to be a part of the 7.15 a.m. sunrise gathering, 
then you do need to pre-register for that. You can do so online or on the app. And here's why. We only have 200 seats for the Sunrise Gathering because that will happen on the east end of our campus here under the uh, beautiful uh, glass windows or covering of our atrium on the east end of the campus. So we got 200 seats. My father-in-law, the bishop of the house, Pastor Allen, will be speaking at that gathering. We'll have some traditional Easter hymns and communion together. So if you want to be a part of that gathering, make sure you sign up online, then 9 and 11. Then in Germantown, you'll stay at your, your regular 10 a.m. gathering. That, that room's going to be full in Jesus' name. And then we launch our Westside campus, 10 o'clock on Easter Sunday. So a lot of great things happening on Easter. Now, two things I need from you, all right? Number one, it'd be good if you were here. Come on, somebody. So we'd love for you to show up. And secondly, we'd love for you to bring somebody, invite somebody. Research says that there's an 83% chance that someone will say yes to your invitation to church, which is a big deal. That's pretty high. So you've got neighbors, you've got family, you've got friends, you've got coworkers, you've got, you've got people on, on your, your son or daughter's sports teams or extracurricular activity teams. They need Jesus. Come on, they need a church. And we do both here. We do Jesus here, we do church here. So invite them to come and to be a part on Easter Sunday. I believe that they're going to say yes to that invitation. Then if you'd like to take that invite one step further, on your way out today at both of our campuses, we've got these Easter window clings that you can take with you. These are non-adhesive. They don't leave some residue on your car. But all you got to do is pick one up. These are free. You peel the back off. You stick it on the back windshield. You drive around town. Now, if you're going to put this on your car and you're going to drive around town, can you drive with love, joy, peace, patience, (laughs) kindness, goodness, a little gentleness, and some self-control? Can I get an amen from somebody? You know, I don't want you waving to somebody with one finger and inviting them to go church on Easter. But, you know, grab you an Easter cling. If you've got a couple cars, grab you a couple of these. If you've got a fleet of vehicles for your company, throw these on that as well. I don't want any of these left over. And I also don't want you to take them and not use them, all right? So let's be good stewards. But take a few today, put them on the back windshield. And for the next month, as you drive around, this will be the greatest accountability in your life as you drive. And it will also let people know about Easter here at Go Church. Yep, is that good? All right, let's get into the Word today. We are in the third and actually the final week of this series we've been doing on the family. I want to offer a prayer for you. You pray for me in return. I've been doing this the last uh, few Sundays where before we pray, I'd like to take seven, eight, nine, ten seconds here. Just create a moment of reflection, a moment of meditation. Let's reset our mind, reset our heart. You give me 40 minutes today. I'm going to give you a word that the Lord dropped in my heart. I promise you that. Prayed over this message. I fasted over this message. Worked hard because I believe that the Lord has put this deep within me today. But it's a busy week. During the first gathering, I leaned over to my mother-in-law and I said, didn't we just eat lunch together last, last Sunday? It's a busy week. It's a fast week. And these Sundays come quicker and quicker, right? They say that the days are short, but the weeks and years are long. Is that right? The days are long and the weeks or years are short. There we go. The days seem long, but then the weeks fly by, the years fly by. And that's what happens. So let's just focus here. Come on, let's take 10 seconds. Speak to his Holy Spirit and then I'll pray, all right? Thank you, Jesus. All right. My heartfelt prayer here. I need strength from you, Holy Spirit. I want to be anointed to be a mouthpiece and just, I just want to be used. I can't impress anybody by my intelligence because I don't have much and 
certainly can't impress anybody because of my good looks. They would be disappointed. But I echo the words of the Apostle Paul that said, For I do not speak with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. So I'm asking you, Holy Ghost, to fill me up. Speak through me so that this message would impact people. If you'll do that, I'll be grateful. And I don't want to just be used, and I don't want to just be anointed, but I want you to anoint your people so that they can be used by you. So we rebuke distraction. We pray for clarity of thought and focus. I pray for clarity of speech. It is not my desire to be famous. I don't want to be famous. It's not my desire for Go Church to be famous. I want Jesus and his church to be famous. So as I stand up here for the next few moments, I want to preach this message with clarity and boldness and anointing. I don't want to manipulate the word. I don't want to water down the word. I just want to preach the word. I want to let the word do the work. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. And I'm believing that we're going to leave different here today. There's going to be some conviction. There's going to be some challenge. There's going to be some opportunities for commitment, but we're going to leave different and we're trusting you with that. And so we give you thanks and expectation of this moment, this God moment. In el nombre de Padre, Hijo y Espíritu Santo. And the whole church said amen and amen. Now can we applaud King Jesus? Come on, church. Come on, if we're going to clap for the Lord, let's do it well. Come on. Good. All right, take some notes today. Let's go back to our foundational theme verse for the whole series found in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually the, the final words of Jesus' message that he preached on the Sermon on the Mount. Just real quick, remember the first message Jesus ever preached publicly. He went on top of a mountain for 72 hours for three days. He just taught the people. And then at the end of that whole message, he concluded with Matthew, what is recorded now is Matthew chapter 7, verses 24, 25, 26, 27. We know that in verse 28 of Matthew 7, it says that the crowds were amazed because Jesus taught as one who had authority. And then the very next verse is a brand new chapter, Matthew chapter 8, verse number 1, Jesus comes down the mountain. So these are the last words of Jesus in this particular sermon. And he summarizes his entire message series with an analogy of a home. And that's what we're talking about in the course of this particular, you know, message is, is building a house. And, and how, do we, how do we do that? How do we build a home? And Jesus talks about building a home on the rock and the outcome of that, or building your house on sand and the outcome of that. Let's read this together. Can we do that? Come on, we'll make sure you stay engaged today. Let's read this whole story here, the final few words of Jesus together on the count of three. One, two, three. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the, the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. All honesty, last Sunday, when I read that to you, and maybe we read it together, I was reminded of that old kids' church song out of this verse, or out of these verses. So, you know what, I've been practicing all week. Come on, somebody. 
The wise man built his house upon the rock. How many of you know this, by the way? Okay, because we're going to sing it, all right? We're going to sing. And you're about to learn why they don't put me on the front line to sing songs here at Go Church. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Do you know the motions too? <laughs> Who are you? Here we go. Let's try it then. Here we go. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rain came tumbling down. You better sing because we're going to finish it. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. But the house on the rock stood. Come on. Let's go. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rain came tumbling down. Let's go, church. Come on. The rain came down. The rain came down. The rain came down. And the house on the sand went. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> the difference here of the wise man and the foolish man is one made a choice to build his house on the rock, which is Jesus. The other made a choice to build his house on the things of this world. The difference of these two builders, not knowledge and ignorance, obedience and disobedience. You know what you need to do. I know what I need to do. But are we going to choose to be wise and do what the Lord says, to be doers of the word, not just a hearer of the word? Or maybe your testimony is similar to mine in the past, where you attempt to build your life on things that at the end of the day will only, will only sink. You know, we worked on this message series for a number of months leading up, just prayer and research and conversation. And the Lord gave me the three B's for this whole series. Three weeks, the first week we talked about my family is broken and how God is a restorer of broken things. Can you testify to that? God didn't put the pieces of anything back together. Last Sunday we talked about how my family is busy and I said this to you that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll just make you. But here's the word that I believe God put in my heart for you today and it is a, it is a prophetic word but it comes with great responsibility my family is blessed. My family is blessed. I am a practical type of communicator. Um, I love to teach the word, and, and sometimes I'll preach the word. Sometimes I'll tell the word. Sometimes I'll yell the word. Come on now. But in whatever environment or anointing the Lord puts on my life, I always want to give you like practical ways that you can, you can take a step forward in your faith journey and a step forward towards whatever our conversation is. So as we talk about our family being blessed, that is a promise from the Lord, but it comes with commitments. And I want to talk about four of them. And these are the practical commitments that, that you and I have to make in order to have a blessed family. And let me just tell you, I'll, I'll give you all four points right up front. I'm going to talk to the men. I'm going to talk to the women, I'm going to talk to the children, and I'm going to talk to the family. So that's who I'm going to talk to today. I'm going to talk to all of the guys. I'm going to talk to all the ladies. We'll talk to the kids, and then we'll talk about the family unit. Because if you want to live in a blessed family, then there are some responsibilities that each of us, that each of us grab hold of. So let's start with this one. And really, this, this first one sets the whole tone 
for the entire household and the whole, the whole generation of, of, of legacy and family. And it's a, it's a commitment from the men. The first blessing here is a commitment that every husband or every father must be committed to being the spiritual leader of their home. Listen to me, fellas. This is a command by God and from God that the men are supposed to walk in their spiritual leadership and their spiritual authority that you have been ordained by God to be the priest of your house. This is not a job that is to be delegated, nor is it a job that can be reassigned. It is a job given to the men to be godly men of their home, to lead their home in the word of God and in the ways of God. And listen to me, I'm not angry, but I'm going to talk to the men because I am one. And I don't just identify as a man, I am a man. So because I'm a man, I need to tell you that there is a deficiency of godly men in the homes and there is a deficiency of godly men in the big C capital church. Where are the men of God? This is a weighty responsibility. It comes with great authority, but only you can walk in it. You can't reassign that responsibility. You look at any statistic you want to about the absence of a father in a home or the absence of a godly father in a home, and you always see the outcome. But 90, Barna Research says that 93% of the time, when the man comes to Christ, the entire family follows. 93% of the time. So listen to me. Here's the challenge. Rise up, men of God. Take on the responsibility of being the priest of your home. Now, I'm going to give you two verses here, and I'm going to preface these verses with this thought. Ladies, now I'm going to talk to you for a second. Ladies, don't walk out. Don't leave. Don't click off the live stream. I'll give you some context here out of these two verses. All right, let me give them to you first. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 23. This is a commandment from God to the husband. The husband is the head of the wife. Okay, that... Uh, uh, Synonym there could be family. The husband is the head of the family as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now you need to know this, and I'll show you a verse out of 1 Peter that the Apostle Paul and Peter, when they were writing and, and teaching, they were not devaluing women. They were never devaluing. Christ was never devaluing women. Now I know that some of you ladies, you read this and you ain't no man. Tell me what to do. That's not what this verse says. The verse doesn't say that. So I, I'm all about the emancipation of women and gender equality. You go, girl. But at the end of the day, when we look at the authority of God and the way that he wrote it out, it should be the man that leads the home in spiritual matters. Are you helping me today? You listen to what I'm saying? And because of the deficiency, we see the attack of the enemy on the house. A few years ago when I did counseling more, pastoral counseling more, now we have a great life back counseling center and those counselors are far more qualified and far more patient than I am in counseling. Years ago though, and this is a true story, which I should never have to preface as a pastor with this is a true story, but this is a true story. <laughs> a husband and wife walk into my office and we had this, you know, scheduled counseling and, you know, but, I mean, before they sat down, the guy jumps in and is like, pastor, you tell her. That's my go-to voice, by the way. 
You tell her I'm the man of my house. True story. And then they sit down, and I looked at him. And then I looked at her. And then I looked at him. Tell her. And I looked at her, and I was like, no, you tell her, man. I tell, I tell. Listen to me. That is not what God says. You are not supposed to be the man of my house. You are supposed to be the godly man of your house. In Ephesians chapter 5, when the apostle Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, there are three times more scripture about the responsibility of the man of God, the priest of the home, than there are of any other part of the family unit. So don't take one verse and take it out of context here. What God is saying is that there is a, there is a weight that should sit on the, the shoulders of every husband and every father. And you need to walk in it. Let me take you to 1 Peter chapter 3. Watch this. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now again, Peter is not saying that women are weak. In the time in which this was written, women and children had about about as much value as a cow or a goat or a dog. So what happens here in the Bible is that through the Holy Spirit, the, the, the women and children were actually being elevated to a place of respect, not being devalued. So when Peter talks about the weaker partner, listen to me, ladies, he's not saying that you're less gifted, you're less qualified, you're less smart, you're less talented, you're less anointed, that you're weak. No, what Paul is, I'm sorry, what Peter is saying is to the men to treat your woman, come on now, with respect, with kindness, with tenderness, with grace, with compassion, with love. I'll keep going until you say amen. With understanding. That's what he's saying. And watch, and I'm going to highlight two particular phrases in this one verse right here because I don't want you to miss it. Watch, he says, treat them with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Men, one of the reasons that God isn't answering your prayers is because you're disrespectful to your wife. You're inconsiderate to your children. And you walk around, you walk around with authority, but not with spiritual authority. And watch this, write this thought down. God is always going to bless the family whenever the husband and the father takes on the spiritual responsibility and walks in his spiritual authority. Listen to me. Men, fathers, daddies, We are competitive by nature. It is who we are, the drive to achieve and accomplish and win. But I would do you an injustice as your pastor if I allowed you to keep scoring points in a game that doesn't even matter. You're winning at the things of the world and that game doesn't even matter. What matters is your faith and your family. And I want to partner with you. This church wants to partner with you so that you can take your seat, your rightful seat, as the spiritual leader of your home. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? And at the end of it, you've lost everything, including your soul. You're playing the wrong game. You're scoring points in the wrong game. The game that really matters is your faith and your family. Let me give you some practical things here, fellas. Come on. Listen to me. Practice the 555 with your family. I'll give you four. 
And if my memory serves me, I'll give you a fifth one as a bonus. If I forget the bonus one, you remind me, all right? Is that good? Practice the 555 with your family. Come on, men, this is you. Five minutes in worship. Just turn on some Spotify. Don't sing. You don't want to ruin the whole mood. Come on now. Turn on some Spotify. Five, five minutes in prayer. And then five minutes in the word. Well, I'm too busy. If you're too busy for 15 minutes, you are really too busy in a game that doesn't matter. Make your family a priority with your time and your attention. I've told you this in different conversations, but at the end of the day, your family doesn't want more presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. They just want your presence. Now, it's nice to give some things along the way. Come on, somebody, say amen to that. But what matters more than the latest and greatest technology or the newest pair of shoes or whatever it is, is just you and your, your time and your undevoted attention, not, not scrolling through the emails or the text messages, being present. We talked about last Sunday, it's not about the quantity of time, it's about the quality of time. Fellas, listen to me, be, be a man of your word. The Bible says, let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. It would be amazing if your family, let me talk to some business people for a moment. It'd be amazing if you were such a man of your word, full of such great integrity, that your family watched you walk away from lucrative business deals because they weren't godly. They were dishonest. They were full of deceit and lies. And yet because you are a spiritual leader, you set the example and said, you know what? I choose honor and integrity and character and the ways of God more than I honor big money and a big bank account. Let me talk to single parents for a moment. I know that life. My, my mother, my father had passed away when I was 13. My mom was a single mom all through my teenage years. And on every Father's Day, I would write her a Father's Day card. Because she was mom and dad to me. Well, let me talk to some single parents for a moment, but especially, specifically, the single dads, that you may not have full custody of your children. Maybe you've got partial custody, or, or maybe you get visitation rights along the way. If it's your weekend, you show up. I wish you'd help me preach. If, it's your, if you say you're going to be there, be there. If you said you're going to be at the birthday party, be at the birthday party. If you promise to get them ice cream, get them ice cream. Is anybody hear what I'm trying to say? Be a man of your word. Take on the spiritual weight, the spiritual authority. Watch this. Attend church. Now, you're doing that today. Thank God for you. But don't just attend and be a spectator. Get in the game. Serve with your family. I don't want you, the point is this. I don't want you to run in a race that is worth nothing. I don't know what it is lately. Maybe it's the series. Maybe it's my maturity in the Lord. There's a few other things that could be, but man, I've just been so convicted about the importance of family. It's the importance of family. I put this on Facebook the other day, and it's just so true. I've been in ministry over 20 years. I have married and buried a lot of people, never on the same day. Come on, somebody. Although some of the people that I married, they look like they were dying. Come on now. <laughs> But the people that I have buried, whenever I, I have knelt by their bedside and, and watched them transition from this life to the next, I have journeyed with family as they've navigated the difficulty of that. Listen, I, I went into more hospital rooms with people that had COVID and I watched them die. Then I'd even like to tell you those horror stories. One 
36-year-old man, husband and a father of two, little girl less than one year old, and he died. Never, not once, in any of those moments of someone dying, transitioning, or at their funeral, did someone say, you know what? Really would have wished that we had more business. Really wish I would have worked later hours. Really wish I would have spent more time on email. No. You know what they say over and over and over? Faith and family. Faith and family. So I want to partner with you. So we, listen, we've got amazing small groups at Go Church. We've got some groups just for guys. And they are, they are knocking it out of the park where guys are coming together and they're just learning how to be better dads and how to be better fathers and husbands and just men. In addition to that, every year we do this event called Man Up. And I'm inviting all of the guys to come in to be a part of Man Up Weekend where we're just learning, okay, what game really matters and how do I score points in that game? So as we get closer, I'll give you more details, but listen to me, this is heavy on my heart and this is a word from the Lord that if you want your family to be blessed, it's time that men rise up. If we ever wanna see revival fall in the church, then revival's gotta start in your home. Is anybody hearing that? And revival starts in your heart and in your home, then revival will be in this church. And I don't want Go Church to be deficient of godly men. Let's raise up men to take on the full responsibility to lead their home again and the ways of God and the word of God. That's a great place to pause and say amen right there. Come on. Come on, let's take five seconds. Just clap a little bit. Thank you, Jesus, for conviction. The second commitment is this. Listen to me, ladies, every lady, regardless of your story, regardless of your testimony, regardless of your past, regardless of your present, watch. If you want your family to be blessed, then you've got to be committed to godly virtue. What is godly virtue? It's righteousness, morality, character, honor, integrity, goodness, Christian ethics and values. I don't know of another place in all of the Bible that defines godly virtue for a woman any more perfectly than Proverbs 31. I'm going to read Proverbs 31 to you. I'll put it on the screen here. We'll start in verse number 10. I'll just warn you. And we'll go all the way to verse 31. I'll skip in some places for time and, you know, and whatnot. But I'll, I, want, I want you to see this as we define what godly virtue for a woman really looks like. Watch this. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? What is the value of a woman of godly virtue? It's worth far more than rubies more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good and not harm all of the days of her life. Kimberly, I really want you to hear verse number 15. She gets up before dawn. You see, I didn't leave that one out. Come on, fellas. She gets up before dawn to prepare biscuits and gravy. Come on now, a little sausage patty with some pancakes and homemade maple syrup. She turns the butter for her husband to fatten him up for the loving. Come on, somebody. Hey, let me say this to you. This verse really has nothing to do with pancakes and, and sausage. I mean, it's 2022. Everybody lives in their home environment differently. Some of you guys, it's, it's a part of your responsibility to get up and prepare breakfast. What I, what I view out of this, and I'll give you a whole breakdown of Proverbs 31 in a moment, is that there is just something 
about the mothering nature of a woman of God. I, I, Kimberly is my Proverbs 31 woman. So when I read verse 15, like, she ain't getting up early to make breakfast for me. But Kimberly is the glue to the whole Whirly house. And I recognize that every time that she's out of town, which that's why I don't let her travel. <laughs> or whenever she gets sick, and that's why I don't let her get sick. Come on now. So this isn't about making breakfast. It's about managing your home. Ladies, God has given you that ability. If I managed our house, and there's parts that I play in that, and Kimberly often reminds me of the part that I play in that, but if I managed our house, our house would be a zoo. Come on, somebody. She is energetic, verse 17, strong, a hard worker. She makes sure that her dealings are profitable, and I love this verse, and her lamp burns late into the night. She extends, uh, verse 20 says, a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. And she has no fear of winter or any season for her household because everyone is going to be clothed in warmth. She is, verse 25, she is clothed with strength and dignity. And I don't, this one, I, just, I read this so many times this weekend. She laughs without fear of the future. Come on, ladies. When she speaks because she is a woman of godly virtue, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and she suffers nothing from laziness. Her children rise and call her blessed. Women of God, is that what you want? For your children to rise and to call you blessed. And her husband praises her. And this is what he says. Uh, Many women do noble things, but you, baby... You surpass them all. There are many virtuous women and capable women in this world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty fades. It doesn't last. I want all the ladies, come on, Germantown, online, one day on the west side. I want you to say this with all honesty and dignity and hope in your heart. You ready? One, two, three. A woman... That was so weak. Come on, try it again, ladies. One, two, three. But a woman. A godly woman of virtue. Reward her for all that she has done and decorate her life with praises. I'll show you one more slide here. They'll, they'll make it large on the screen for you to see. It's a lot, so you might want to take a picture or there are seven things that I saw out of Proverbs 31. So maybe you just write down the, the, the seven highlighted yellow thoughts, okay? They'll, they'll, again, they'll make it big, but I don't want you to miss this. This is what I see from Proverbs 31 here, that a, a woman of godly virtue, she's a woman of faith. She loves Jesus with her whole heart. Ladies, it doesn't mean that you'll be perfect. You, you won't be perfect. The same is true for us guys. We'll never be perfect, but... A Proverbs 31 woman is full of faith. I love Jesus with my whole heart. She's committed to her marriage. She's faithful to her marriage. I'll tell you a story so you can write this down. I'll give you a little extended time to make sure you don't miss it. A story about grandpa and grandma. They're married over 60 years. Kids are grown. They got uh, grandkids and great-grandkids. 
One day, Grandpa's sitting in the living room watching TV on a Sunday afternoon, and something got into Granny. She walked into the living room, and she sat right on Grandpa's lap. She started nibbling at his neck right there, just a little nibble on the old neck. A few minutes went by, and old Grandpa got up from the couch. He went to his room, and Granny thought, what in the world? I mean, we've been married 60 years. Maybe I've lost it. A few minutes pass, he comes back in, and she says, baby, did I offend you? He said, offend me? Oh, you didn't offend me. She said, where'd you go? And he said, honey, I went to get my teeth. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's the best in this message you're going to hear all day. Go get your teeth, fellas. Come on now. But a Proverbs, that is funny. I don't care who you are. I, I hope one day that I'm like, baby, hold on. Let me go get my teeth here. A Proverbs 31 woman, she is committed to her marriage. She is faithful to her man. She is a loving mother, and her children call her blessed. She's focused on her emotional health, her mental health, her spiritual health, her physical health. She serves others before she even serves herself. She's a wise steward of her time, talents, and treasure, and she's a manager of her household. That is a woman of godly virtue. That is is a Proverbs 31 woman. And watch this. So we got small groups again, ladies, but you've heard this for a couple of weeks now, but we also have you go, girl. And before the first gathering started, and I don't know where it is now, but before the first gathering started, 75% of all the tickets had already been sold to you go, girl. 75%. So you go, girl, to the website and get your ticket. Come on now. And let me say this too. Uh, on any event that we do, we don't ever want money to be the reason that you can't be a part. There are always people that are willing to donate anonymously. Uh, they won't know you and you won't know them. But you just say, hey, you talk to one of our hosts and say, I want to go, but I don't have the money. We will make a way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But this is for the women of God to rise up to a level of godly virtue. We, fellas, we need each other. Ladies, you need each other. Can we pause right here? Come on, one more time if you're with me. Come on. All right, two more. You want your house to be blessed? You want your family to be blessed? You want to build it on the rock? Then, fellas, you got to step up. you got to be the spiritual leader of your home. Be the spiritual leader. Did I give you the bonus of that one? Y'all didn't remind? You forgot just like I forgot. If you're not doing that now, here's the bonus. Just start with repentance. I'm sorry that I've not been doing it well, and I really don't know how to do this, but I'm committed to trying. Ladies, you want a blessed home? Then you are committed to godly virtue. Let's talk to the kids for a moment here. All right, children, in order for your house to be blessed, you have to be committed to honoring your mother and father. Here's the thing about this one. I'll say two things and then we'll unpack it. Number one, we are all kids. I mean, we, we, all, we all came from a mom and a dad. Now, I... Again, we've talked about that in the series. I don't know what that family dynamic looks like. Words like mother and father and son and daughter are not emotionally neutral words. But we're all kids. Now, when I think about this point, I think about the season that we're in. I got a, a preteen and a son who I love. Like, I love Lakeland. He is my son and I am well pleased. But it's my job to remind him at 12 years old that he doesn't know everything. Come on, parents, help me out. And then I got a little girl, London, who will be seven and nine, nine days. And, I mean, she's just perfect. But anyway. <laughs> but your children may be grown or you may be in some kind of 
challenge or conflict or frustration with, with your mom and dad. So this applies for everybody, not just the kids at home. But here's the verse. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Again, this is the Apostle Paul moving from Ephesians 5 to Ephesians 6, laying out the family unit, the structure of the home. And he talks to the fathers, he talks to the mothers. Now here in verse number 1 of chapter 6, he talks to the kids and he says, Children, obey your parents. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may what? Enjoy long life on earth. My mom always said that's because if I didn't honor her, she'd kill me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> how many of you grew up in the old school, by the way? Where's the old school? Like, you, in the old school, this is how I grew up. We didn't get time out. Now, nowadays, it's time out. Like, don't make me count to three. One. Two. Johnny, two and a half. Two and three quarters. I didn't grow up. How many of you did not grow up like that? My mom was like, don't make me count the poof. I better get up. My mom, my mom used to say this, I will beat the snot out of you. No wonder why I need counseling. As a child, what does that even mean? You will beat the snot out of me. That's why I always picked my nose and blew my nose as a kid. I was like, ain't no snot in there. What you gonna do now? And then my mom, and why do we do this as parents? She was always so confusing like with the discipline, she's like, you will go stand in the corner and sit down. <laughs> she's <laughs> stand in the corner and sit down. And then I'm like, and then she's like, are you disobeying me? I'm like, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to I don't know what to do. Stand up and sit down. I can't be more clear. Listen, we got issues as parents, don't we? But anyway, enjoy long life. So I didn't get this off Google, by the way. This is just something the Lord put in my heart about honoring your mother and father. And again, you, you have a different dynamic. That relationship is different, but the command is still the same. Even with your dysfunction, even with your conflict, how can you honor? You might have to honor up close. You may have to honor from a distance. Some of the ways that you can begin to, I feel this. I didn't tell the first gathering this. Some of the ways that you can honor is by choosing to forgive them. Amen. Just, just forgiving them. So it's a commitment to help. That's the first way you can honor. Let me, let me talk to all the kids that are living at home. Get off your lazy tail and help. I thought, parents, you would have been like, ah, say that. I mean, we're talking about some kids are just lazy. Like, get up. Somebody said amen. I hope you amen in your kids and not my kids, you know. Amen. I saw your kids. They're lazy, pastor. I mean, man, what? just get up and help. My son, which, by the way, every time I tell a story of my son or daughter, I owe them $5. And I've told you this before because they say that if you're going to use me in a sermon for content, I should be paid a royalty. <laughs> this is true. So I'm like, I'm out some money today. But my kids, especially my son, 12 years old, can be at the kitchen counter here, the refrigerator, literally, hello, right here. He's here, fridge here. Mom, can you give me a drink? Or, Dad, can you give me a drink? And I'm like, okay, first of all, your arms ain't broke yet. Come on, son. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Does it, am I the only, we're the only ones? Oh, y'all got to figure it out. Right. Let a camera run in your house for about four minutes. Let's get in and help. 
Listen, the other day the kids came to me and they were I'll tell you that story in a second. Just get in the game and help. Pick up your toys, turn off the lights, make your bed. Come on, wipe the pee off the toilet seat. Just help some way. And for those of you that are grown, young adults, and you're still living at home because that's the season you're in, you're going to college, you're pursuing additional education, you're trying to buy a house, I think it's great. Like you're at home, but you best be helping out. Like the least you can do is say, you know what, I don't pay anything here. I don't pay any rent. So I can throw in some money for utilities or, you know what, I can run and get some toilet paper or I can make my own, like you just, you need to help. Another commitment that you should make is to obey. In the worldly household, one of the rules, and we have a set of rules that we go by, one of our rules is, and you should write this down if you've got grandkids, you've got kids still living at home, the worldlies, we obey right away. That's what we say. We obey right away. The worldly household is not a democracy. This is not up for discussion or a vote. I have said it. I have spoken it. So you have to obey right away. The other day, the kids came in. This is a story I want to tell you. Beautiful day. Friends are outside playing. And Lakeland in London said, hey, can we go play outside? True story. There was no reason for me not to allow them to play outside. I mean, the conditions were perfect. I wanted to go play outside. And when I was about to say yes, I was reminded, you know what? My kids have not heard no in a while. I wonder how they're going to respond to a no. Can we play outside? And I was like, you know what? Not today. (laughs) Little London was like, what language is that? She said to Lakeland, what is he speaking right now? Like, I don't, maybe it's tongues. You know, he is Pentecostal. (laughs) Why, Dad? And so, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because in the household, the worldly, we obey right away. I'll give you a reason, but I don't need to give you a reason. I mean, that's fine, and I think it's justified. Like, you know, and then I was like, I'll beat the snot out of you. And I just get a commitment to needs. We had a chance last weekend to go visit Kimberly's grandfather. So we call him Grandpa. This is Pastor Allen's dad. And Grandpa, Sam Matura, and my little girl, our little girl, London, Share the same birth date, which is really cool. So grandpa will be 92 on the same day that London is seven. So we drove to South Carolina and we spent uh, the afternoon uh, with grandpa, 92 years old. And when I tell you that my family wore him out, (laughs) after a while he's like, really glad you all came. (laughs) He opened the door, he's like, really good to see you all. Safe travels. I'm like, we've been here 15 minutes. He's like, God bless you. Thank you. So we sat there, and uh, Kimberly was just talking to Grandpa, and it was, it was emotional. And she says, Grandpa, you're going to be 92. I mean, that's so amazing. And this is what he says, like, I'm ready to go to heaven. And Kimberly says, well, Grandpa, we're not ready for you to go to heaven. And without reservation, he goes, well, you're selfish. <laughs> He's like, I'm 92. What else is there? You know? And then we started talking more. It's like, Grandpa, really, you're 92. And I told him, I was like, I'm just so amazed for you to be in the health that you're in and the mental state that you're in to be 92. And this is what he said. It's not on the screen, but write it down. He said, JC, I was a man once, but a child twice. I was a man once, but a child twice. At 92, He needs his kids. He needs his family. 
And at some point, and I don't know, maybe this is your season with your parents or maybe you're young and this seems totally irrelevant, but one day your parents are going to need you. And you honor them by putting their needs above your own needs. Be open-minded. What does that mean? It's the opposite of closed-minded and narrow-minded. And then a commitment to respect. I, you, you, you respect what you value. So what, what is worth something to you is what you respect. Does that make sense? I love shoes. You may not know that about me, but I love shoes. Um, it's a slight addiction, but it's fine. It's cool. <laughs> love shoes. And I've got a lot of shoes. A lot of shoes. I've got some LeBron James. Come on, somebody. I use those to take out the trash. Somebody had to say it. Here I am. But then I got some Jordans. All white J's. And they are clean and pristine. I've had those, I've had those Jordans for about four years now. They look absolutely brand new. There is no crease in my J's. There is no stain on my J's. No, 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 no. And you're wondering, I know what you're thinking, how do you keep them so clean? <laughs> well, you don't wear them. <laughs> okay, it's true. What, what are you wearing them for? Occasionally, though, uh, when I want to, you know, get with the youths, I'll put on the J's. Now, two things happen because I value them and respect them. Either one, I will not wear them until I get to my destination. And is this true? Okay. If I'm lying, I'm frying. Come on. I won't wear them until I get to where I'm going. I'll wear other shoes like the LeBrons. <laughs> and then when I get to where I'm going to be, then I'll take off the old shoes and I'll put on the J's and I'll walk in. And or I will. <laughs> okay. And or I'll take Walmart bags and put them around and tie them. I'll tie them. Somebody help me testify about the shoes. So I'm not the only one. I'll tie the Walmart bags around the shoes, right? And then, and she's like, Kimberly's like, you look like an idiot. I'm like, well, they're clean. <laughs> Respect me, you know. So then I'll walk in because you value and respect things that have worth to you. Let me say this to you. It's amazing how some of us treat tennis shoes better than we treat our parents. Our cars will be immaculate and we will detail them, we will press our clothes and then back talk our mama. Disrespect our father. Honor your parents. This is why, and again, different seasons, this is why I have go kids, this is why we have go youth. And then at our South Metro Atlanta campus this past Thursday, we launched young adults here with over 60 young adults that came together, and it's just amazing. The point is this, for every part of your family, there's a place for you. All right, you got time for one more? Let me give you one more. So it's a, if you want a blessed family, it's a commitment from the father or the husband to be the spiritual leader. It's a commitment from the, the wife or mother to be a woman of godly virtue. It's a commitment from the children to honor your mother and father, and then here's the one for the family. You gotta be willing to serve the Lord. You must be willing to serve the Lord. One verse here, almost everybody, church or unchurched, has heard this verse before. 
And I'm not going to drag this out. You give me two minutes, I'll be done. But it's Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is a powerful three-part statement. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let me show you the the first two here. As for me, this is leading by example. The next time that your family gets into a disagreement or conflict or frustration or tension, instead of just, just try it, all right? Instead of just going, you know, from zero to a hundred in frustration and increasing that temperature, what, what if you just pause and say, all right, wait a minute. As for me, what part do I play in this? When you look at the spiritual deficiency in your home, stop blaming everybody else and just say, all right, ask for me. So you got to lead by example. Mom, dad, kids, all of us. You'll never get the spiritual home that you want if you aren't leading by example. So come on, dads, rise up, lead by example. Come on, mamas, rise up, lead by Kids, the part that you play and the spiritual unity of your home is significant. Even when mom and dad don't want to come to church, you tell them, we got to go to church. It's the family. So as for me, and this is just an honest question that you have to ask yourself, how, how are you leading spiritually? What is the example that you set? So that's the first part. The second part is, and my household. So this is authority. And I'm, listen to me, I, I'm an emotional guy. The, it's just who I am, but... I'm not a perfect dad, but I'm a good dad. I want to be a good dad. Part of me being a good dad is leading by authority. One of the things I've seen over the years is this, is that parents, listen to me, we care far too much about becoming the best friend of our children than being the authoritative voice in their life. Your kids, your grandkids, well, maybe grandkids, you can just spoil them. But your kids don't need another best friend. They need a spiritual authority in their life that can lead them. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. So this is, so I can't just say, and for my household and not lead by example. I lose all credibility. But if I say, as for me, and I lead by example, then when I walk in my authority, I can say, wait a minute, in my house, this is my house. We watch what I say we watch. We listen to the music that I say we listen to. You hang out with the people that I say you can hang out with. And I know that children get frustrated and I know that you're worried. How are they going to respond? And yes, there will be moments of conflict and frustration, but you walk in your authority. You've only got 18 years. You only had 18 years until they're out of your covering and they enter into adulthood or young adulthood. You stand your ground. And kids, listen to me. It's not rejection, it's protection. Your parents know things that you don't think they know. They've been there, they've done that, they've bought the t-shirt. And that's why they say, wait a minute, I'm putting up boundaries and guardrails and in my house and in my... We need more of that. We need more of that. It's not walking around. Well, I'm the man. I'm the woman. No, I am the example. 
my life, my testimony, my moment of conversion to Jesus is an example of why I've got to tell you no. No. Listen to me. <laughs> you got to get out of here, and I'm way over time. You parent how you want to parent, how you need to parent. But I'm checking social media. I'm checking cell phones. And on London's first date, guess who's going to be there? Like this. Because as for me and my house, nah, we're going to serve the Lord. Come on and give Jesus the best praise. Come on. Lead by example, lead by authority. Two questions. What the Holy Spirit speak? What's the next step in your faith journey? Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to let Ben come pray for us. Pastor Ben, pray for us. Let's sing this chorus together. I'm going to get off the stage here. I want this word, though, to settle in your heart, okay? Let's worship.